everyone to episode 32 of Exploring Middle Earth. Yes, yes, here 32. we are. I am Grant, that is Jay, yes. the other voice in your head, <laughs> the other voice in the speakers that you are listening through. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to be kind of um, uh, kind of finishing up the little what I don't theme topic we're yeah. talking about, which are the basically the, the houses of the Noldor. Um, we didn't really know that's what we were doing until we did it. So this would be finishing the trilogy because it's the third episode yeah. in the houses of yeah, the Noldor. The, the trio, the trilogy. So the third one's always the best. Yeah, in any trilogy. Yeah, in any <laughs> trilogy. Yeah. So today we're talking about the children of Feanor. So arguably one of the most recognizable characters, and his whole storyline basically is bound to the first stage you know that's like basically what yeah. the first stage is about if you so. read the Silmarillion you know Feanor you know him what are you doing here then oh, oh. <laughs> okay so uh, uh first before we start though I want to shout out a uh, special fan of ours um yes. Stefan, Stefan all the way all the way from the uh beautiful country of Wales I actually know a few people from <laughs> Wales okay yeah <laughs> I know a few people from Wales uh who uh, moved here and maybe uh, Stefan knows <laughs> yeah go to my church but um yeah so I've, I've got good I've got good, good connections, connections with the Welsh so yes. Stefan here's your shout out love you man love you Stefan and here's here's a kiss just for you <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to accept it if you don't want it but anyways so uh yeah continuing on Jay will start off with the main the main G Fanor okay Sorry, I was choking when I was okay. okay. Hello, my name's Jay. You know who I am. Just a quick introduction to who I am. My name's Jay. Um, we're going to talk about, like Grant said, Feanor. F-E with some accents over it. Double dot. F sideways R E A K O F E A N O R. Freak Feanor. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering who Feanor is, I'm going to tell you all about him. Pretty much this whole episode is going to be just Feanor. And then we'll talk about his kids. Because Feanor is probably one of the biggest characters in all of Lord of the Rings, or uh, Arda's history. He's a big boy. Not Middle Earth. Yeah. I mean, kind of Middle Earth. He didn't yeah. start Middle Earth, but Arda's history. Yeah. He's an important guy. So, what you should know, he was the first king of the Noldor. We yeah. should figure out how, but when we're t- when he was born, he was not the first king. There was right. no king. So, he was a craftsman and a gemsmith. And a warrior, and Grant knows what he made. Say what he made, Grant. Uh, he made a lot of things. Uh, what are the big things? <laughs> the big the things. The big three. The big three. The three Silmarils. Also, yes. he made the alphabet that the elves use. Yes, I will so. talk about that. You're skipping I'm ahead. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he made the Silmarils and the Palantiri. Yeah, Palantiri. yeah. He made those two. Yeah. I wasn't expecting you to get, guess that. I just wanted you to say Silmarils. Was that your trivia? I don't have any no, trivia. No, I don't have any trivia either. Dang, dude. <laughs> that so was the trivia. We're one. on the same page. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> he made the Silmarils, which is important. He made the Palantiri also, which you see in the Rings of Power. That's what um, Galadriel and Muriel used to look into the future. Um, but that's just a side note. We're not really going to talk about the Palantiri in this episode, but he did create the Silmarils. Big deal. So Big whoop. That wasn't sarcastic either. It was a big deal. Yeah. So I'm going to read quick. Um, he was born in, th- or I'm going to tell you when he was born, then I'm going to read. He was born in the year of the trees, 1169, in Valinor. Pretty much where all the elves were born. All of the good ones. Just kidding. Yeah. Just kidding. Come on. Um, so this is from chapter 6 of the Silmarillion of Feanor in the Unchaining of Melkor. Um, so this is just about Feanor when he was born and who he was. And it talks about his parents too. In that time was born the Eldamar in the house of the king of Tyrion upon the crown of Tuna, the eldest of Finway, and the most beloved. Cure of Finway was his name, but by his mother he was called Feanor, spirit of fire, and thus he is remembered in all the tales of Noldor. Muriel was, his mo- was the name of his mother who was called Sindri, Sirindi, sorry, Sirindi. Yeah, because of her surpassing skill in weaving and needlework, for her hands were more skilled in to finesse than any hands ever among the Moldor. Noldor. I'm gonna skip ahead a little. Um, so after she had Feanor, um, but in the bearing of her son, Muriel was consumed in the spirit and body, and after his birth, she yearned for release 
from the labor of living. And when she had named him, for she said, Finway, never again shall I bear child, for strength that would have nourished the life of many has gone forth into Feanor. And then she dies. <laughs> she bites the dust. So his <laughs> I don't know why I made that noise. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was his mother dying. Uh, Which Muriel, not the Muriel from the Rings of Power. Yeah. You see. This is a different Muriel. This is an elvish Muriel. Do you know what Muriel means? No. I don't either. No. So. You want me to look it up right now? Yeah, I was just about to say Muriel. What does mi- the name Muriel mean? Uh, it means jewel woman. Yeah. <laughs> it means jewel woman, J-E-W-E-L, not J-U-U-L. Oh. Like a jewel. Yeah. Shout out to my Gen Z listeners out there. <laughs> shout out to all the shout out to all the the vapors. Vapors. <laughs> shout out also to the, my listeners who are addicted to nicotine. <laughs> shout, um, shout out to all the people who are you know they shout they, vape, them out, dude. they vape dude. Shout, shout them out. them out dude. Um so his mother died and his father remarried. Um which was a big deal in a turning point in the life of Feanor and in Arda. And I'm going to tell you why by reading what Tolkien wrote. Because who says it better than Tolkien? Nobody. Nobody. The uh, the showrunners for Rings of Power. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah. True. <laughs> so this is Just from kidding. That was a joke. Uh, nope. Grant was not joking. <laughs> um, I'm Got gonna, me. I'm going to cut out the part where you said that was <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. So this is a little further in the same chapter. The wedding of his father was not pleasing to Feanor, and he had no great love for Indus, which is his stepmom. Um, nor for Fingolfin and Finarfin. Stepmom issues. Yeah. For Fingolfin and Finarfin, her sons. He lived apart from them, exploring the land of Amon, or busying himself with the knowledge and the crafts in which he delighted. In those unhappy things which later came to pass, and in which Feanor was the leader, many saw the effect of the breach within the house of Finway, judging that if Finway had endured his loss and been content with the fathering of his mighty son, the courses of Feanor would have been otherwise, and the great evil might have been prevented. For the sorrow and the strife in the house of Finway is graven in the memory of... The Noldoran elves, but the children of Indus were great and glorious, and their children also, and if they had not lived in the history of the Eldar, would have been diminished. So, uh, his dad, uh, Finway, marrying Indus is a big deal because Feanor has kind of has a hot temper, and this yeah. set him off. So, if Finway did not marry Indus and stayed unmarried, then um, pretty much everything that happens from that point on, pr- most likely wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, you win some, you lose some. I mean, is it, was the pros, you got to outweigh the pros and cons, outweigh <laughs> the pros and the yeah, cons. Yeah, yeah, I think the pros outweigh the cons, you know. Actually, I don't know, because, you know, it's all made up, but people die. Why don't you, as the listener, go and write down, or list all the pros and cons, and just come back to us with what you think. Yeah, uh, email us at exploringmiddleearthpod at gmail.com. I don't even know if that's right. Let me yeah, <laughs> Stefan knows the email. Shout out Stefan, man. <laughs> yeah, exploringmiddleearthpod.com at gmail. Hopefully we're getting your name Wait. right. <laughs> I think it's Stefan. I said dot .com at gmail. No, exploringmiddleearthpod at gmail.com. Hey, you got it. Yeah, so let us know. Just kidding, you don't have to do that. But so as he grew up, he discovered his talents and created the system of writing known as Tangwar, which Grant mentioned, um, which was used by the Noldor in Middle-earth until the Third Age. Um, right. Yeah, and he didn't come up with it himself. He started, or he, somebody, I can't remember the name of the person, started building, or creating it, and then he took it from there. He was ar- also a student of Matan, um, a great smith who had learned who had learned his craft at the feet of Aule himself. Aule is the Valar who created the dwarves. Yeah. I was just reading up on Matan, too, because I, I knew you were going to talk about him for a second, but... um. So he was one of the only elves with a beard, and mm-hmm. then he also had reddish brown hair, which he passed down to. Well, I'll talk about it in my section, but um, one of his names, or they call him Apeses, which is like his secondary name, was Rusko, which means fox. Oh, that's so th- cool. they called him Fox, which is kind of cool. They also called him Copper Lover. <laughs> that's so, weird. Yeah. Why does he love copper so much? Huh? Um. So yeah, he was a student of Matan. Um. From Matan, he learned much of metalworking and at some point he wedded Matan's daughter Ner Nerdanel? Yeah, Nerdanel. Nerdanel. More like nerd. More like nerdy. And he bore seven sons. Which we'll talk about later. But they're not important right now. But they will be. They're important. Important later. Remember this. 
Remember, remember the 5th of November. Remember, <laughs> Stefan? Uh, <laughs> sorry, that's a British thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I'm Stefan, I love you, man. I'm just going to keep say, talking say, about hey, you. Hey, Stefan, let's get serious for a second. We're sorry about the queen. What happened with her? <laughs> Jay, that didn't even... <laughs> you didn't even have to bring that up. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we did. It's important. Sorry, Stefan. Our, our condolences, seriously. Yeah, sorry, Stefan. Yeah. Um, if we could hug you, we would. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, the creation of the Silmarils, big deal, big deal. Big whoop. Yeah, so, like we just learned, if Finway did not marry Indris, the Silmarils would not have been a thing. Let me quick read you another section. Yeah, do it. I know everybody loves me reading, (laughs) trudging (laughs) through these sentences. Yeah. Um, so this is from chapter 7, of the Silmarils in the unrest of the Noldor. In the time were made those things that afterwards were most renowned in all the works of the elves. For Feanor, being come to his full might, was filled with a new thought, or it may be that some shadow of foreknowledge came to him of the doom that drew near, and he pondered how the light of the trees and the glory of the blessed realm might be preserved imperishable. Then he began a long and secret labor, and he summoned all his lore and his power and his subtle skill, and in the end of all he made the Silmarils. So, you know what the Silmarils are? Three glowing balls of fire. No, they're not fire. They're glowing balls that hold the light of the two trees of Valinor. Yeah, like jewel balls. Jewel balls. <laughs> yeah, like crystal. I don't even know if they were balls, were they? I think so. I I mean, all like the pictures of them are they're balls. Man, I only got two balls. I wish I had three. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. If you, have, if you have three, we could say you've been carrying around the Silmarils. Instead of the family jewels. Yeah, the, the Silmarils. I've got the Feanorian jewels right Dang, here. Dang, Tolkien really missed out on that one Dang. by having three Silmarils instead of two. I mean, you didn't need three. He could have done fine with two. Yeah. And we could just say, oh, I'm just carrying the Silmarils. Oh, the old Silmarils. Yeah, all the old Silmarils are... Oh, I just had to get one Silmaril removed. Dang, man. Are you okay? That's why Hitler was so bad, is he only had one Silmaril. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I totally forgot about he that He only had fact. one Silmaril. Dang. Ying and Yang, dude. <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> it's the balance. <laughs> yeah, yin and yang. It keeps you. It keeps you anchored down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Grandma. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Sorry, Grandma. <laughs> um, oh, so his creation earned him great praise, as it would, because you've never, nobody's ever seen anything as cool as the Silmarils. No one. Nobody on this earth right now, or ever. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. I'll ask once I'm dead, everybody. Um, <laughs> and uh, he came to prize the Silmarils above all else. However, as time went on, he began to covet the gems with greedy love and increasingly ignored the fact that the light which lay in the gems and gave them their beauty was not of his own making. So he, uh, it's kind of like the same thing that the power of the ring has over people, but it had the power over... Uh, Feanor, and he just was like, I really like these balls. Um, no pun intended. Sorry. That Sorry. Was awesome. That was a complete accident. Um, he really liked the balls, and or the reason they're so beautiful is not from him, but because of the light of the two trees. So he just created something that encapsulated the light of the two trees. He yeah. didn't create them. He didn't make them beautiful. Um, so Feanor alternated between displaying, vainly displaying the jewels uh, and jealously guarding them. Um, from everybody, everybody but his immediate family, so his sons, and probably wife. Probably showed the wife the family jewels. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he eventually came to a point where um, they always remained in hiding, and he locked them up. Um, and you want to know why he locked them up? What's that? Because uh, Melkor wanted the Silmarils, so he started to spread rumors and strife about what's going on. Because at this point... Melkor had been defeated, and then he came back and was like, hey, I'm good now, you know? I was scared straight. I'm all good. It was a prank. <laughs> yeah. So Melkor comes back, and he's like, I'm doing good, and he's keeping his his game face on. He's like, I'm going to pretend to be good, but I hate everybody and everything, and he's super emo. Oh. Um, so he starts to spread rumors, um, and uh, his lies eventually come to a point where the rumors begin to circulate amongst some of Feanor's among some, that Feanor's half-brother, Fingolfin, who we've talked about earlier in this in previous episodes, was planning to usurp his place as heir to Finway, but also to seize the Silmarils for himself. So he's like, I'm going to take your uh, heir and... Or your airship, I guess. I'm going to take <laughs> your balls. Airship, dude. Not, not a flying ship, but his 
right to be king, his heirship. It, yeah, I, I think that would be called inheritance. Yes, heirship is cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. His heirship, um, and he was gonna take the Silmarils, which was a rumor and false, dude. False. Um, so Feanor threatened Fingolfin with violence, which broke the peace in Valinor, and he was like, "I'm gonna, I don't know what he said, but he said I'm gonna get you, I'm gonna get you good." I'm so, gonna get you, get you one way. Yeah. So the Valar exiled him for a time to Formenos, um, where he took with him the Silmarils and locked them away in the box. Because um, in Valinor, the Valar lived with the elves, and the Valar yeah. were kind of like the governing body, if you know what I mean. Yeah, right. They were the governing body. Right. Um, so he had to stay in Formenos um, for a while, and he just kept him locked in a box. He never got him out played with them or anything <laughs> maybe he did they never says yeah he probably juggled i mean there's three of them hey check this one out and he drops boop, it, boop, boop. it oh. oh no what would happen if they shattered like where does the light just light just, just like disintegrate? that just, just right into the atmosphere yeah um but sometime later um melkor unexpectedly appeared at Fermenos where he tried to sway feanor to his side proclaiming that the valor had threatened him unjustly but because Feanor was mad at the Valor, Feanor was pissed off. But he uh, owed. Yeah, Feanor was steaming hot, angry, and probably really attractive. <laughs> steaming hot. <laughs> um, however, Feanor realized that Melkor's true goal was to obtain the Silmarils, so he dismissed Melkor, and then he reported to the Valar. He's like, reported to the Valar that Melkor came, and he's like, hey, you guys got to check this out. Listen to this. Melkor came. And he tried to get the Silmarils, but I said no. So the Valar are like, okay, we're going to go look for him. And they go look for him and can't find nothing. Yeah, right. Because he's out of there. Gone. So he's gone, but not for long. Because something happens after that, which is called the theft of the Silmarils. Dang, bro. Yeah. What happens? <laughs> so seven years later, after that whole Shabag, I don't know. <laughs> 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 I was trying to say shib- Shebang. Shebang and Shabagal. And I just choked on the words shenanigan yeah so seven years later the valor announced they're having gonna gonna having gonna having a going away party (laughs) they're gonna have a great feast at valinor um with the intention of repairing their relationship with the noldor because the noldor were easily swayed persuaded (laughs) the noldor were easily swayed by melkor and his lies unlike the other types of elves so they had a bad relationship with the valor because Melkor's like, hey, this guy's bad. And they're like, okay, sounds good. Um, and the Valor are like, hey, that's <laughs> that was, false. That cracked me up for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this guy's bad. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. So um, while everyone was at the feast, Melkor and Ungoliant, uh, which you've heard of earlier, if you've listened to our earlier episodes, she's a spidey girl. Oh, cool. She's the spider lady. And she likes to eat light. I don't know how. <laughs> like a, like a, she's on diet, like she eats yeah. light or vitamin like D, right? That's what you get from light. Vitamin D, right? Yeah. She's Did you get my joke though? Like she's eating light food. Oh yeah. Like it's a light. She's eating light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny. <laughs> um, so Melkor and Ungoliath went to Formanos, where Melkor slew Finway. Oh no. Um, and ransacked the vault, taking the Silmarils and many other treasures, and then they escaped, crossing the Helcarax. Rip. Yeah, and they were they were also planning on Feanor being there, um, and they were gonna kill him, but uh, but surprise! But they were like, ah, oh, he's not here, so we'll just kill this guy, which is his dad. This guy. This guy, which is his dad. That's what Melkor probably said to Ungoliath. We're gonna kill this guy, which is his dad, yeah. and we'll get the light from the balls. <laughs> <laughs> not funny, Grant. It was. Not it was funny. funny. So now we're moving on to the flight of the Noldor. You good? They could fly. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, it's a euphemism. Oh, <laughs> you for what? Yeah, it's a metaphor, Grant. Oh, I don't know. Meta what? <laughs> a meta for what? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Feanor, upon learning of his father's murder and the theft of his prized Silmarils, the theft of his family jewels, dude. Um, he named. Don't do that when I'm drinking. <laughs> he named Melkor Morgoth. Which we talk about Melkor. If you want to, if do you, you know want what that, do you know what Morgoth means in Sindarin? More dark. More means dark, yeah, or black. Blacker, goth, evil, bad. It's, yeah, black foe. Black foe. Yeah. Foe show. Black <laughs> foe show, man. Um, 
So his grief quickly turned into bitterness against the Valar themselves. So they're like, whoa, 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 we had Bitter. nothing to do with this. And he's like, it's all your fault, mom. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Then, I think something. No, what just, happened, man? I tripped out, dude. Man. So, um, back. so uh, he cursed the summons which had brought him away from his father, which saved his life. Yeah. Which might have been for the worse. Sorry, Feanor. Only saved his life for a little bit. Yeah. Or not, maybe. We'll see. Um, Because he believed that he had, if he had been present at Formanos when Morgoth came, he would have saved his father. But he most likely, or he definitely would have been killed. Um, but he's like, the, dude, if I was there, I totally would have. I could have taken him, dude. Rip to my dad, but I'm built different. <laughs> <laughs> I could have taken him. <laughs> he caught him slacking, dude. But caught him slacking. He would have caught me slacking, dude. Um, so, uh. Yeah, so Morgoth actually planned on killing both of them, but uh, he said, no, I'm not having any of that, because he's not there. And Melkor, or Feanor's like, I wish I was there, if I was there. Melkor is lucky I wasn't there. So what I, w- I was actually researching a little bit, and I found, uh, there's actually, this. I think this is part of like the history of Middle-earth, like those uh, like collection of uh, books you can get, super expensive if you get them all in one. But there's like some of the origins of the the Eldar, and they go back all the way to the three uh, fathers of the elves named Imin, Tata, and Enel, which are kind of funny names, but I guess it was like like the first, like kind of like the beginning language, so it didn't sound very elvish. But they were like the first three fathers, and then that's who uh, Finway is descended from uh, Tata, and Ing- Tata. Ingwe, yeah. Ingwe is descended from Imin and uh Elway and Olway are descended from Enel. So they're they're not like the first elves. They're like the great grandsons of the first elves. Mm-hmm. Kinda interesting. That's yeah. just what I was looking at while Jay was talking. So uh Feanor was like, Hey guys, um I'm mad about everything right now because I have anger issues. He never admitted it, but he probably did. <laughs> um he had a problem with anger and he was like I'm going to rally everybody, so everybody come here right now and let me tell you something. I'm going to go over to Middle-earth and get those back. And then was like, yeah. <laughs> not everybody. His sons were, like, all for it. Is that his speech? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, but I'm going to read it because he, yeah. <laughs> he said it a little better than me. Or did Tolkien say it better? Tolkien said it better. Tolkien used Feanor as a device to say the speech. Wow. You ready? Yes. Why, O oh people of the Noldor? He cried, why should we longer serve the jealous Valar who cannot keep us, nor even their own realm secure from their enemy? And though he be now their foe, are not they and he of one kin? Vengeance calls me hence, but even were the otherwise, I would not dwell longer in the same land with kin of my father's slayer and of the thief of my treasure. Yet I am not the only valiant in this valiant people, and have ye not all lost your king? And what else have ye not lost? Cooped up in here in this narrow land between the mountains and the sea. Here once the light that the valor begrudged to Middle-earth, but now dark levels all. Shall we mourn here de- deedless forever as shadow folk, mishaunting, drooping veins, tears in the thankless sea? Or shall we return to our home? In Quivian and sweet ran the waters under the unclouded stars, and wide lay the land about, where the free people might walk. There they lie, still await us who in our fo- folly forsook them come away let the cowards keep this city that's his speech i, I think he also i think he also uh quoted uh come sail away by sticks he <laughs> went come sail away come sail away come yeah. sail away with me yeah that'll sound really good when i chop it together where there's me not stopping every <laughs> few sentences or sometimes even in the middle sentence. I know. I thought it added a lot to the speech. It yeah. sounded. It, it, it feels more human. I was when I say, can't get through it. It, <laughs> it made it made Feanor sound more human, even though he's an elf. It made him sound human. It made him sound so. like he was making it up on the spot. Yeah, which he did. He did. So but, yeah. So he must have stuttered at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So he rallied against the dark. Even Feanor had a stutter. <laughs> Yeah. If he can overcome that issue, you can overcome your issues. I'm the scout man. Yeah. So he rallied. We're just gonna get copyright strike, struck, 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 No, I'm just kidding. I don't think we're big enough for any. Yeah, but also we have to play the actual song. That's true. Um, he rallied against. You know what? Okay. I retract my statement. 
<laughs> we're not gonna get copyright stroked. <laughs> we're gonna stroke them. <laughs> we're gonna stroke the copywriters. He rallied against the Dark Lord, but he also blamed Valar in part for Morgoth's deeds, claiming that they should have been able to stop him and had failed. Which he wouldn't have been able to do, so I don't know why he's mad at them. He believed he did, though. Um, so he evoked images of the kingdom of his people built in Middle-earth and the glory that could be theirs once they reigned the Silmaril- or regained the Silmarils and had reign over them. Not R-A-I-N. They didn't reign on the R-E-I-G-N. Yep. Reagan. <coughs> Reagan. So Fanor then swole and swore, not swole. Swole. He was swole, swole dude. Fanor swole <laughs> and swore an oath, oath, swore an oath by the name of Iluvatar himself that he would suffer none, no matter their race or reasons, to withhold the Silmaril from him, and he would pursue with violence any who attempted it. The oath of Fanor was also taken by seven sons, um. And uh, some other people, which you, if you listen to the past two episodes, uh, you would know who they are. And there are a lot of them, which I'm not going to name them all off, but because we're, we're focusing on just Fanor and his, his little posse of kids. Right on. Yeah. So his seven sons um, swore the oath. Um, and then this oath became the cause of great tragedy for Fanor's family and for the Eldar in general. <clears throat> I think I have a, I'm just going to quick read the oath. Sorry. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to read. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I'm about to read. <laughs> As if you want to pass it on to me, I can read it. Then Feanor swore a terrible oath. His seven sons leapt straightway to his side and took the selfsame vow together, and red as blood shone their drawn swords in the glare of the torches. They swore an oath which none shall break, and none should take, by the name even of Iluvatar, calling the everlasting dark upon them if they kept it not. And Manwe they named in witness, and Varda, and the hollowed mountain of Teniquatil, vowing to pursue with vengeance and hatred to the ends of the world Vala, demon, elf, or man, as yet unborn, or any creature, great or small, good or evil, that time should bring forth unto the end of days, whoso should hold or take or keep a Silmaril from their possession. <laughs> Sorry, I'm chewing. <laughs> oh, you, you took the time to eat your banana bread. Yeah, good job, Grant. Yeah, Thanks man. for doing that. You know, I'll cut it so it sounds like you're stuttering. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't do that to my main man. That'd be right? funny, though. Yeah. W- it would be funny. I don't know if it'd be funny because I already cut it so it sounds like I'm not stuttering through it. So they wouldn't have the background of me being not being able to read. Just, just, just cut. Disclaimer, guys. I do know how to read and I read a lot, but I don't read out loud. Just cut and edit the parts of you stuttering <laughs> and put it into my reading. So it'll just stop in the mind. It's like, uh, uh. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Let me get the rest of this banana bread out of my mouth. I'll just keep talking while Jay's chewing. Um, I'm just doing some Zen meditation. Okay. Okay. After the first kin slaying, they arrived in Angband. Um, kin slaying, let's break that down. Kin, K-I-N, family, slaying, S-L-A-Y-I-N-G, kill. killing, family, kill. So, yeah. Family, kill. <laughs> this family kills. <laughs> yeah, so, um, long story short, um, there's some elves that had ships, and there's some elves that didn't have ships. And when an elf has a ship and an elf doesn't have a ship that want the ship, <laughs> they, come they together. fight, and they come together and they fight. And, and they, they make kin. a new ship. And, yeah, and they steal the ship. Oh. So, Fanor and his gang of rebel rousers fought some elf, which is their kin, which is the first time ever. That's why it's called the first kin slaying. Yeah. Don't let that fool you. It wasn't the second. It was the first. It was the first. Yeah. And it wasn't the only, but it was the first. Yeah. So, they were like, hey, give us these ships. And they're like, I don't think so, dude. These are ours. Uh, we made these? Yeah. Um, we awkward. we get to keep them. Yeah, and Feanor's like, uh, no, you don't. Give those to me now. And he goes, finders keepers. Losers. Weepers. And then stabbed. <laughs> his family. <laughs> yeah, his yeah. family. Um, yeah, so ki- don't be fooled. It wasn't his sons he killed. He killed his kind. Yeah. So Distant um, relatives of sorts. Yeah. There's probably a better way to explain that, but, you know, it works. You did good. Yeah. Good enough. So uh, they fought and they got the ships, and then they went to Angband because that's where Morgoth was. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so they went to Angband, and they started, they marched up to Angband, and they're like, oh, we're going to fight you, Morgoth. And there was orcs there, and they started fighting the orcs, and the orcs were like, oh, shoot, we're, like, outnumbered, and uh, we're not good enough. 
and then some things came, and they are called Balrogs. Balrogs. Um, Balrogs are pretty cool. They're big and scary, and they're fire demons. They're Maya, right? Yeah, they so are Maya. Same, yeah. same rank. They're ranked same as Gandalf and, and Sauron, Sauron. Yeah. And Saruman. And Radagast. And Radagast and the two blue wizards. The two blue wizards. Of the east. Yeah. Um, We're way far in, so why don't we take a talking break? What are those called? Commercials. <laughs> Ad <Sorry>. break. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a break for us for talking, but. Yeah. Hey everyone, have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle underscore earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, yeah, so Balrogs came. Balrogs. And they, the orcs were like, now that the Balrogs. Did we really take a break right in the middle <laughs> yeah. of your story? <laughs> oh, come on. So the Balrogs came, and the orcs were like, hey, this is great, because we're going to go turn around and fight again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Breaking news. This is great. <laughs> this confrontation was called the Battle Under the Stars, or Dagor Nguyen Gileath. For the sun and the moon had not been made. Because the light of the trees, gone. Gone. Light of the stars, still there. Still there. Light but of the other sun than and that, the moon, dark. Darkness. Light of the sun and moon, not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that funny? It wasn't. I, okay. just had, I just had a cough. That was a funny cough. You had to laugh. Laugh, cough. Cough, laugh. <laughs> As Feanor and his vanguard approached Angband, the fleeing orcs, noting the small size of Feanor's force, um, turned and gave battle. Um, which I already talked about. <laughs> and the orcs were reinforced by a number of Balrogs who quickly slew most of the elves because they're big and bad. Um, bad to the bone. Bad to the bone. Durin's Bane. <laughs> that's a Balrog. Because yeah. um, <laughs> that's a Balrog. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fanor fought hard, um, but he was stricken to the ground by Gothmog, the Lord of the Balrogs. Sorry. Lord of the Balrogs. So his sons. Bow, bow. He was on the ground. He was struggling. He was down bad, and his sons came and were like, Dad, I got you. Dad, pull up, fam. <laughs> so, so I picked Did up his... Did you just spit? I burped. Uh, I didn't just spit on the ground. I don't know. I didn't see it. Um, My room is my spit bucket. <laughs> Spittoon. Yeah, so, um, uh, so his sons came and picked him up, and they're like, We got you, Dad. We're carrying you away. And he's like, Guys, stop. I'm going to die. Set me down. So then they set him down, and he cursed Morgoth. Three times and then bit the dust. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite thing in movies is when people spit and then it makes that sound. Right. Yeah, so he died, but do you know who didn't die? Who? His seven sons. Hey. Who we're going to be talking about right now. Ayo. Ayo, I have a feeling we're talking about this right now. Okay, so now is my turn. Now it gets good, because I'm done talking for a little bit. For a little bit, just wait, uh, just for a second. So I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about the. Uh, <laughs> that was a huge bite. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna be talking about um, the uh, seven sons of Feanor. We're gonna go in order from eldest to youngest. If you didn't know, that's oldest to youngest. So for all my British listeners out there. <laughs> Sorry, Stefan. Uh, okay. Stefan, if you could speak like native Welsh, that'd be cool. I don't know what you what we would do with that, but that's just cool. <laughs> they can probably tell us is our first person who's ever contacted us. <laughs> yeah, we're, dude. We're only I'm you know what? I'm gonna just put this out here. I am ecstatic that <laughs> someone emailed us. I am happy. Mm-hmm. That made me feel so proud. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Stefan. You made our day. Stefan, if we could hug you, we would. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> Once again, we Once would. Once again, I'm going to say it. <laughs> if we could hug you, we would. <laughs> okay. I need to start. I Hopefully, Stefan, uh, this doesn't turn Stefan off from the podcast. Yeah, this is his last episode. Anyway, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from uh, my version of the Silver Alien, page 60. It's in uh, 
the chapter titled Of Eldamar. Um, so the seven sons of Feanor were Maivros de Tal, <laughs> de Tal. <laughs> Maglor the mighty singer, whose voice was heard far over land and sea, Caligorm the fair, and Caranthir the dark, Curufin the crafty, who inherited most his father's skill of hand, and the youngest, Amrod and Amras, who were twin brothers, alike in mood and face. In later days they were great hunters in the woods of Middle-earth, and a hunter also was Kelegorm, who in Valinor was a friend of Orome, and often followed the Vala's horn. You know, I never caught that before. The fact that it says Kelegorm in Valinor was a friend of Orome. It was like, he wasn't just like his, that was like his teacher, his mentor that he... They were good buds. They were buds. That's pretty Is cool. Is there a reason, does it say why uh, Finway, or Fanor and his wife named him with like M, then C, then A? I mean, why did your parents name you with all the letters that they named your siblings? Well, I don't think there's a particular order. I don't know. I I'll have to I ask think, my mom. I think the answer is the same here. I don't know. <laughs> Accidents happen. Oh, you're talking like because like the it's, other the other elves. There's a lot of fins and stuff like that. Yeah, but like yeah. there's because it's like two M's or three M's, two C's and two A's, right? There's. Okay, let, let me see. It's two M's. It's it's Mythros, Maglor, and then it's Caligorm, Conther, Corifin, oh. and then uh, and then Amrod, Amras. Yeah, there's like there's because like it goes in order. There's M M C C C A A. Yeah, I don't know. That's how he calls them all. Yeah. Everyone. Anyways, so I'm gonna talk about Mythros first. He is the eldest. Okay, so. This is also another short passage. This is from the chapter of the ruin of Valerian and the fall of Fingolfin. Just a little, just a little phrase. Mithros did deeds of surpassing valor, and the orcs fled before his face. For since his torment upon Thangorodrim, his spirit burned like a white fire within, and he was as one that returns from the dead. Pretty sick. Um, that is sick. Yeah, so Mithros is born in the years of the trees, sometime between 1190 and 1260. Really, all of their births are not important. All we know is that he's the eldest and they follow. The births are important, yeah. but it's important that they were born. Yeah, right, yeah. The year? So, not so important. Yeah, so uh, uh, it was said he never married in his lifetime, and he also had no children. So he was just a bachelor, you know? <sighs> yeah. Just riding around in Middle Earth as a bachelor. Uh, and he also had, or his name actually, Mithros, meant shapely red hair, which alluded to both his red hair, which he inherited from his mother, Nerdanel, and also from his grandfather, uh, Matan. Um, but it was also said he, the reason it was called Shapely, he was called Shapely, is because he had an attractive body. That's what, like, the <laughs> legit meaning for it. How would you name a kid that when they're young? Yeah, I, don't, I have no clue, man. Do you know what this sounds like? This sounds like Conan O'Brien. Uh, shapely red hair. Oh, yeah. Conan. Oh. Shout out to Conan, dude. Shout out to Conan, man, if you're listening. Conan, <laughs> a.k.a. Majelos. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of a weird description. But I guess he was just like a hot elf from I mean, the he was born from the like, get go, you know. Like, so uh, yeah, so elf. his his father, when his father was banished from Tyrion, you know, uh, due to his aggression, and he went to Formenos. Uh, Mithros followed him to his halls, and when Morgoth killed his grandfather Finway at Formenos. Um, and so the Silmarils, Mithros, and his six brothers took part in the terrible oath that Feanor uh, swore. Yeah. So they are all, all part of it, you know, uh, to recover the Silmarils at whatever cost. And oaths, if you haven't uh, known this before, oaths are very uh, powerful binding force in Arda and Tolkien's worlds. Um, if you break an oath, basically it means either your death or some doom worse than death. Yeah. Um, and in this case, they swore that they would return to darkness if they did not keep their oath. Um, it's like a pinky promise, kind of. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> basically. Yeah, basi basically. Basically. Uh, so, Mithros uh, took part of the oath, and then he also took part of the first kinslaying, being of like mind with his father. And uh, their ships set sail from Middle-earth, leaving behind the hosts of Finarfin and Fingolfin. At first, Mithros believed that the ships would return to take the other Noldor to Middle-earth, but it was not so, and Fanor burned the ships. Alone of his brothers, he was angry at his father and refused to help in the burning. He longed for his cousin and friend Fingon, who was left behind on the shores of Aramon. So he was he was kinda he was like he was pretty close with his father, but he was also the only one of his brothers to actually stand up to his father, which is kind of it was pretty pretty admirable. Admirable. Yeah, redeemable. Sexy, because he's hot. 
That's pretty sexy of him. Yeah. So after his father's death in the Dagor Nuen Giliath, Mithros acquired the right to kingship over the Noldor in exile. Uh, however, Morgoth wanted to play on the oath and feigned to hand over a Silmaril in exchange for the lordship of Middle-earth. So the power of the oath taking hold of him, Mithros went to meet Morgoth's embassy, but was captured in ambush by Balrogs. Here are the Balrogs again, man. Oh, man. And was thence hung by his right wrist upon a tall precipice on Thangordrim for 30 years. Oh, we talked about this from somebody else's point of view last episode. Yeah, bruh. Oh, yeah. Bruh. Bruh. Yeah, so his cousin and his friend Fingon uh, came to his rescue when he arrived in Middle-earth, and along with Thorondor's help, the Lord of the Eagles, uh, he cut off his hand at the wrist and he brought him back to Hithlum, where all the Noldor were staying. And because of his bravery and friendship, and because Mithros also felt bad for Fingon and his family that they were left behind, Mithros handed over his right to the kingship to the house to, of Fingolfin, which is Fingon's dad. Uh, and so Mithros's other brothers did not approve of this, because <coughs> they're like, well, like... We are like the true like heirs of Finway and stuff like that. We should be next in line for the kings and stuff like that. So they're just a little salty. Yeah. Um, and hoping to prevent feuds between the houses of the Noldor, Mithros moved the house of Fanor out of Hithlum and gave it to Fingolfin and Fingon. And Mithros took the lands around the hill of Himring to be his domain, calling it the March of Mithros. His settlement was upon the hill, and ever after, when the lands of Beleriand went under the waves, the crown of the hill and the ruin of Mithros' city stayed as an island in the Great Eastern Sea called Himling. You can actually see that on maps of Middle-earth. Uh, there's, like, just off the coast of uh, um, Linden by the Blue Mountains, like, uh, way up in the northwest, there's a little island called Himling. Oh, yeah. So, I see. if you can see it, you know what I I'm talking see. about. Good I job, Jay. Seeing is believing. Yeah. Believing isn't seeing. Okay. <laughs> seeing isn't believing, but believing is seeing. Santa Claus, Tim Allen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after the events of Baron and Luthien, uh, where Baron and Luthien both stole a Silmaril from. We got an episode Laura. on that. We, got, we totally got an episode on that one. Mithros took heart that the Silmarils may yet be won by bravery, and thinking always of his oath, he forged alliances and made ready for war against Morgoth to end it all. Um, he united the house of Finarfin, Fingolfin, and Feanor in what was called the Union of Mithros. However, the union was forged too soon, and the elves' strength was not yet powerful enough to overcome Morgoth, who had waves upon waves of orcs and demons and balrogs and dragons. And their siege broke, and they suffered a terrible defeat in the Nirnaith Arnoidiad, the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Mm. So you can tell that it's bad. Um, That's bad. <coughs> And his uh, his land uh, in the hill, Himring, was overtaken by orcs and other foul creatures. And Mithros, along with his brothers, removed to the lands of Osirian to live among the Laquendi, although they were not really friends. The Laquendi are the um, the green elves uh, who lived over there. They're related to the sylvan elves that you would find in Mirkwood. Um, and after the deaths of both Baron and Luthien, after a long while, Dior Elukiel, Baron's son, inherited the Silmaril from his father and wore it as king in Doriath because also his grandfather, Thingol, uh, was killed. Um, and so, <coughs> moved once again by the oath, Caligorm this time convinced his brothers, including Mithros, to attack Doriath to gain the Silmaril. Three of his brothers were killed by Dior, and Dior eventually was slain. Dior, before the attack, gave the Silmaril to his daughter Elwing, who escaped the sack of Doriath to find the havens of Sirion and a remnant of the Noldor who lived there. Dior's twin sons, Elared and Elerin, were captured and left to die out in the woodlands of Doriath. Mithros was moved by mercy to search for the twins, but to no avail. Have you noticed there's a lot of twins within the Noldor? Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it works the same, like, skips generations and stuff, you know? It's, it's pretty sick. Pretty sick. Um, <clears throat> many years later, following the trail of Elwing to the Havens, the remainder of the brothers attacked the Noldor there and killed many elves. Elwing's twin sons... Uh, well, and also Eärendil's twin sons, you know, they're married. Mm -hmm. uh, Elros and Elrond were captured, but Elwing herself escaped with the Simril into the sea to find her husband. Um, and then there was a whole War of Wrath where the Valar came over because Eärendil made it to Valinor to warn them or, like, ask for their help. And so there was the War of Wrath that lasted for a long time. Um, and Morgoth was defeated. The Valar recovered the two remaining Silmarils and held it in the camp about the mouths of the Syrian. The two remaining brothers, Mithros and Maglor, killed the guards and stole the Silmarils and fled the camp. 
However, due to their evil deeds throughout their lives, the Silmarils burned their hands with an intense, torturous pain. Mithros couldn't stand the pain and found a fiery chasm before him, and he cast himself, along with the Silmaril, down into the depths. Here ends the tale of Mithros, eldest son of Feanor. Wow. Yeah, so... It's like yeah. Yeah, no, I was going to say, that's it's that's pretty, uh, it almost like mirrors that, which is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that was the eldest son, Mithros. Um, he was a bit of a redhead. Um, he also had a fiery spirit. As I said, like it's, uh, his spirit burned like a white fire. That was the quote. In the, so he was a lot like his father as well. Mm-hmm. And the next oldest is a dude named Maglor, which is probably one of my favorite elves as well. You, wait, um, uh, you can keep talking. I'm going to go get Quilly and bring her in. All right, dude. But if you want to keep talking, you can. All right. There'll just be no witty comments from me. No witty. <laughs> Jay just trips off. Uh, that was funny, Jay. That was funny. Okay. Uh, so we got Maglor. This is a quote from the chapter of the voyage of Eärendil and the War of Wrath. Maglor was mighty among the singers. <laughs> singers. Sing. Oh, I said it right. Okay. Maglor was mighty among the singers of old, named only after Dairon of Doriath. And uh, I think Dairon is the person who also loved Luthien um, before Baron. So, Maglor was born in the years of the trees between 1190 and 1362, obviously sometime after his elder brother. Um, and he was the second oldest son of Feanor and Nerdanel. Hi, Quilly. Uh, he had a wife who was unnamed, and for a time he was the foster father of Elrond and Elros. Uh, he was said to be very skilled in singing poetry and playing the harp. And his name, uh, depending on what kind of like translation. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Be yeah, depending on what translation, because it's Quenya at first, it meant Ma- Ma- Macalaure was his real name. But depending on the translation you want to go, where it gets cinderized, it either means forging gold or gold cleaver. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> so Maglor was present at the first kinslaying, but it is unknown whether he participated um, because he was so moved by the sorrow of the event that he composed the lament Noldalante, meaning the fall of the Noldor. So it might be that he was like so like he was horrified by what happened that he actually didn't take part in the kinslaying. So um, Maglor followed his father and brothers to Middle Earth and witnessed his father die at the hands of Gothmog. Um, Maglor followed his other elder brother Mithros to the east of Beleriand around the hill of Himring, and Maglor chose for himself the lands between the hills and March of Mithros in the west, and the Blue Mountains and Mount Rerir in the east, and extending to the two arms of the river Gellion in the south. And his lands were known as Maglor's Gap, named after him, of course. Yeah. And this place was uh, really susceptible to attacks from the north as it was an open land between the mountains and the hills. So Maglor kept a strong cavalry uh, there because they were getting attacked a lot by orcs. Um, so during the unfortunate events of the Dagor Bragalak, the dragon Glaurung laid waste to Maglor's Gap and Maglor fled to Himring with his brothers. Then 16 years later during the near Nith Arnoidiad, the Easterlings, led by Uldor, that were supposedly allied with the Noldor, turned on Mithros and Maglor, and Maglor himself slew Uldor the Accursed for his treachery. However, the evil deeds that took place resulted in the ultimate loss of the Noldor during the battle, and the sons of Feanor fled to the woodlands of Assyrian, like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, Maglor, Maglor, <laughs> Maglor did take part in the second kinslaying in Doriath uh, to take the Silmaril for Dior. Uh, Maglor survived and still the oath burned within him and after a long while uh, this drove him and his brothers to the havens of Siron where Elwing dwelt with the jewel. The Silmaril was once more lost uh, like mentioned before and during this third kinslaying Elros and Elrond the sons of Erendil and Elwing were captured and eventually fostered by Maglor who felt a deep compassion for them. Love grew between them and Elros and Elrond being young in the reckoning of elves took him to be their adopted father. So I think what's cool about Maglor, I'm not done with him yet, but okay. <laughs> I think what's cool about Maglor is he has a lot of compassion. Like, mm-hmm. it, like he he feels for like other people that are like uh, going through stuff. Because like during the first kinslaying, he didn't really see a point to it, and he was like so moved by the 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 horror of it that he wrote like a lament for it. And then also after the third kinslaying, when Elrond and Elros were kind of like captured and abandoned, he took them as his own sons yeah. to, you know, like foster them. So he's a, he's, he's a good guy. That's why I like him. He's a good guy deep down. Yeah. Even though the oath is like kind of driving him to evil deeds, he's really a good elf. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
So after the War of Wrath, Maglor went with his brother Mithros to retrieve the last two Silmarils. Uh, they, they succeeded and fled, and we know Mithros' fate. He uh, jumped into a fiery chasm. But uh, Maglor's hands were also burned, and he could bear the pain no longer. So he went to the shores um, of Beleriand, and he threw the Silmaril deep into the sea. And his fate is not final. Nothing is said about what happens to him. But legend says that he still roams the shores of Middle-earth, composing songs of regret, dishonor, pity, and sorrow. So... He's just a sad guy. Yeah, so that's also why I like Maglor, too, because his fate is not final. Like, he could, for all we know, he could just be like an old wandering elf, you know, singing sad songs on the on the seashore. Say that five times She's fast. <laughs> singing sad songs on the she seashore. sad songs by the seashore. Yeah, so that's Maglor, one of my faves. And now I think those are the two oldest brothers, and I think, Jay, you have the next three. I got the mid-brothers. You got the three middle brothers, yeah. the three mid-brothers. The three C-brothers. <laughs> Yeah, the three C's. Carinthir is the old eldest mid brother, so he was the fourth son of Feanor, and uh, the harshest and the quickest to anger of his seven bros. A lot like his um, dad. Yeah. So he, uh, um, Carinthir's Karth- realm was saying Thargelion. Thargelion. Thargelion in yeah. East, Bel- East Balerion, um, which was sometimes called Dor Carinthir, which just means Carinthir's land. Um, and his house was on the shores of the lake of the of Lake Helenborn. Uh because his realm bordered the great dwarvish kingdom of Nargrond or Nagrand Nagrand <laughs> in Belagost in the Blue Mountains, he became very wealthy because he controlled the trade road between or coming through the dwarf road. Classic. Um yeah. So he rescued the Adine lady Heleth, um, and her people. Is that how I say it? Yeah, it was just funny. A, a dying lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Heleth, yeah. Yeah, Heleth um, and her people um, when they were attacked by orcs. And uh, he then saw the bravery and valor of men, and he offered um, this a settlement in the north. Um, but Heleth, thanking him, refused and left and eventually settled elsewhere. But he he saw how brave and valorous. Is valorous a word? That's probably not a word. Yeah, I don't know. But he saw the valor of the men. Um, so in the, the Dagor Bragolak, which Grant talked about, um, he was forced to flee, um, and he headed south with his with his brother Am- Amrod, uh, which Grant will talk about a little bit later. Um, but Carinthir, along with his brothers Kelgorm and Kurufin, which I'll talk about, uh, they all died during the second king slaying in Menengroth. Um. And they failed to recover the Silmarils. Dang. Um, and uh, his name, he, er, with elves, especially with these ones, they have two names, the, mo- the father's name and the mother's name. Yeah, like I was saying, the Apesse. Yeah, so uh, his uh, mother's name, Karinster, uh, not Karinsteri. <laughs> Karinsteri, dude. It's like Karinsteri. <laughs> Karinsteri. Karinsteer, uh, which means red face, uh, from the Quenya word Karin, uh, or Carne, sorry, Carne, uh, which means red or scarlet. And then his father's name, which I think is hilarious, um, the meaning, not the name. <laughs> Morfinway <laughs> is his name, yeah. which means dark Finway, um, which I just think is funny because it's like evil Finway. Evil. It's like the evil version. He's my evil twin. Evil which son. if you're, if, you don't really have a great fate if when you're born you're named evil and then your dad's name. Yeah. That doesn't really set you up for success. Hmm. 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 That's a little about. sus. So Kelogorm, moving on. So Kelogorm, uh, he was very close to Orme and uh, like Grant said, they were friends. Um, and he hunted in the woods a lot. So he was a hunter. Shuts bows and stuff. That was, that was his third name was Hunter. Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he was also bro- brother. He was very close with his brother Kurufin, um, which I'll talk about right after this. Um, and while he and his brother lived in Nargathon, they captured Luthien Tenuviel, which Grant talked about a little bit. But if you want to know the whole story behind this, not just w- from the brother's point of view, listen to our Baron and Luthien episode. Right. I'm not telling you, but you have to do it. Um, so um, they captured her, and Kelogorm wanted to marry her. Um I want to marry you. Yeah. Marry you. 
<laughs> but as you know, if you've heard the story, uh, they don't get married. I don't know what I was just doing. Yeah. What a Maria. Um, yeah, so Huan helped Luthien escape from them. So afterwards, he and his brother were expelled from Nargothrond, and Kelogorm fell at Menengroth in the second kinsling, like I said earlier. Um, and Kelogorm was slayed by Dior. Dior. I keep wanting to say Dwar. 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 Dior. It's like it's like the it's like the uh the cologne or perfume yeah. the Dior Dior, yeah. And then Kurfin, which is the last one I'll talk about, um, was the fifth son, and he was, um, among the seven brothers, Kurfin was his father's favorite, and was most like his father in skill of hand and appearance. So, uh, he wasn't the most attractive because the oldest one was the most attractive because oh, that's yeah. part of his name, shapely red hair. Yeah, but Kurfin was most like his father in appearance and uh, skill. Um, so he obviously he was the favorite. So I don't know why his name isn't uh, Good Finway or Good Fainor. Yeah, well, it's it's Kura Finway, right? Is his like father's name? Mm-hmm. What is Kuru? Is that like cunning? I think probably. I think I, I think, don't know. I think it means cunning or skilled. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he uh, um. He was born in Valinor like everyone else. Oh, big deal. Big whoop. Yeah, big deal. Um, and when he was in Valinor, he married an elf, um, most likely a Noldoran elf. And they had a son they named Celebrimbor. Whoa. Whoa, you've probably heard that name. Yeah. Um, who would later follow Kurif into exile. Um, but Celebrimbor's a big guy. Big deal. Big guy. He's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to talk about him that much because we're talking about his papa. Yeah. His papa. Um, <coughs> due to Kelogorm and Quirfin's deeds, uh, Thingol and Ordreth would lend no aid to Maedros when he th- sought to unite the elves and dwarves and the men, uh, which was called the Union of Maedros, which, you know, Grant talks about. Right, right, right. So he talks about him there. Um, and once again, he fell in the kick, kick second king slaying um, with his brothers, the, th- his, the sea brothers. Um, and he was killed by Dior. Um, and they never got the Silmarils. So that was just a quick overview of the bros. You know, is the most of their stories are intertwined. They have their own little things, but, you know, they all followed the oath. They all died. Yeah. For the most part that we know of. They all Rip. died in battle. Except for yeah. Not all of them. Not all so of them. So we're going to cast it back to Grant. Yeah, so now I've got the the last two of the, the seven double sons. A's. Yeah, the double A's. Double A batteries. Double A batteries. So the last last two of the sons of Feanor, uh, and they were twins. <gasps> uh, so I'll start with Amrod, who is recorded as the first of the twins, so he was likely he was born first, burst from the womb first, you know. He's two minutes older. I think it's funny when twins do that. I'm older. We're the same age, but I'm two minutes older. We have the same birthday. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm two minutes older. <laughs> or three minutes. I'm two seconds older. It was a quick birth. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Two things. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, so Amrod was the sixth son. Uh, his name meant to some extent from the Quenya perspective. Sorry, I had to burp. That's okay. This is like what our 18th episode in a row where we keep burping this is uh, our 32nd episode and it's every episode's been a train wreck <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> anyways uh so his his quenya name meant to some extent upwards exalted that's what his father wanted to name him to kind of separate from his him from his twin so he kind of almost favored amrod over amras and yeah, uh had favorites and yeah he, he wasn't did. afraid to show it yeah uh so yeah his his uh I can't remember what his Quenya name was. I didn't write it down. Anyways, but his cinderized Quenya name was Amrod. Uh, his mother name was Ambarusa, which also referred to his twin brother. Uh, she basically called them the same name. <laughs> you know, it's like she couldn't decide. So she just, it's like you having twins and then calling, like they're both boys and you just call them both John. Yeah. I mean, if you can't tell them so apart, why name them differently? Right. Yeah. So uh, that the same person, that name meant top russet, which re- referred to their red hair color which they also inherited from their mother and grandfather so pretty much most of their names had to do with red yeah in their hair uh and the twins actually called each other this name as well as like a nickname they called each other ambarusa um and as they grew older though amrod's red hair grew a little bit darker than his younger twins hair 
So then it was a little easier to tell them apart. Other than that, they were pretty identical. Uh, both brothers partook in the oath of their father, but their mother, Nerdanel, begged that one of the twins stayed behind to comfort her in her grief. Uh, Fanor refused to his wife uh, this kind of uh, favor, uh, and she foresaw that one would not return. Uh, but however, because they joined their because they both joined their father, and Fanor wouldn't let any of them stay behind, they both lost their lives. So if, if Fanor would have listened, there would have been one one of the sons left. And other than Maglor. It wouldn't have mattered which one because to the mom it would have been the same. Yeah, because she didn't name. see <laughs> She was just like, the, there's an extra one anyways. It might yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, like like I said earlier when I read that paragraph, uh, the twins were great hunters in Middle Earth, and they, they actually grudgingly partook in the sieges, and actually uh, they seldom went to battle against Morgoth. They most mostly just stayed in their own lands. Well, he's just staring at her. I know. And she, I look at her and she's, she's, sorry, sorry, she's chilling. Um and yeah, so though they were seldom in battle, they joined their brothers at the havens of Sirion to recover the Silmaril from Elwing, but they were killed there. So it was, you know, the three sea brothers were killed in Doriath in the second kinslaying, and during the third kinslaying, the two twin brothers were killed, and that just left Mithros and Maglor. Um, yeah, so that's where they died. And then the other twin was Amras, and Amras was recorded as the seventh son, um, and twin to Amrod, and he probably uh, was spoiled because he was the youngest. Yeah, by two minutes. <laughs> yeah. uh, and he he had red hair as well, but it was a a brighter shade than his twins. Um, and Amras was a cinderized Noldoran Quenya name that more or less meant russet haired, so it was like top russet, but it's just russet haired, uh, which maintained his mother name Amarusa more than his brother did. Uh, and he and his twin were great hunters and often offered shelter and aid to their brothers if they needed it, though they rarely participated in the battles of the north. Their realm was south of the March of Mithros and Maglor's Gap, east of Caligorm and Kurofin's realm, and the forest of Elmoth where Aeol lived, and it was west of Caranthir's realm, and was situated about the plains of Estelad. So they basically hunted in these plains and in the woods about it. Because mm-hmm. they were hunters. Yeah. And like his twin, he was killed in the third kinslaying at the Havens of Sirion. They were inseparable. They couldn't couldn't separate them, even right. in death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. But yeah, so that's that's all we got on the this Feanor and his seven sons, wow. which impressive feat, seven sons, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you didn't have a daughter in there. Yeah. I'll, unless he did have a daughter, but they just weren't recorded because they weren't important, you know. Yeah, they feel like they would have been recorded because there's a lot of daughters recorded, but you know, yeah. uh, you never know. It's open for interpretation. You do whatever you but want. But yeah, that's a, this is a long episode. It was a long probably episode. Probably because Feanor, we could do an entire episode just on the Feanor dude. Yeah, you could probably do a part one and part two on him. Yeah, I don't want to because I just talked about him a lot and yeah. I was not good. right. We might not have to do that. Good. We might have to do that way in the future. Way in the future when everybody forgets about these episodes. Right. So, uh. Yeah, so by the time this episode airs, uh, episode seven of the Rings of Power will have come out. So I'm hoping, I mean, episode six kind of redeemed most of the show so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm hoping, I mean, there's still parts of episode six I didn't like, but uh, but it was really good, actually, I thought. I mean, you can hear more about that in Jay's Rings of Power half hour. Guess what? I made it to half an hour. I know. I time. saw that. I saw that. when you po- 30 minutes, like 40-something seconds. When you posted it, I laughed because it said yeah. Jay finally reaches half an <laughs> <Yeah>. hour. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, um, yeah, so episode seven should be coming out. And hopefully these last two episodes are uh, about as good or better than episode six. I'm thinking with the last episode, since it's the season finale, we can do a uh, Rings of Power half hour episode together. Oh, so yeah. So we can give our thoughts. Yeah, Maybe that's a good idea. it'll be longer than half an hour. Uh, Rings of Power, hour and a half. Rings no, of Power. That's a long time. Longer than half hour. Yeah, there you go. But uh, Rings of Power extended half hour. Yeah, extended ed- extended edition. This, yeah. yeah, director's cut. Yeah, yeah. So that's what's uh, that's what's happening next. Uh, we got. We don't know. Sorry, what the I, I had to burp. Is. I had to burp. Hey, it's okay. Uh, but I burped in my mouth, so it's all good. Yeah, keep it in there, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but then I had to cough. Uh, but yeah, so I will be doing the Rings of Power half hour for episode seven. Yes. And that'll, I guess, be the last solo one. Uh, so loaded and then we'll do episode eight together mm-hmm. but uh yeah so we finished up the houses of the noldor trilogy and you know what i think i was talking about this to you earlier but i think we should do something in the third age 
Yeah. So yeah. if you guys have any suggestions, if you, Stefan, we're looking yes, to you. Stefan, <laughs> email us, man. Uh, if you have any suggestions on uh, topics we could look at in the third age, even if it's a topic you already know pretty well, uh, if you just think it's uh, a good one to discuss, um, yeah, let us know. Otherwise, we'll just pick a random one, probably. Yeah. We might start. And you can't complain. And you cannot complain. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so we're just kind of taking a break from the early history, and we'll go on to more recent events that happen near to the Lord of the Rings. Because all this stuff is real life and actually happened. Yeah, so this affects our lives. Disclaimer, this is real. All of this is real. Let's get real for a second. This is real. <laughs> okay. I thought you were going to say something. I was going <laughs> to I was going to say something, but I just stopped cuz it was stupid. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, guys. And girls. And girls. Guys and gals. And grandma. And grandmas and mothers and father. I don't know if my dad. My dad doesn't. Does your dad? I think if my mom plays it out loud at our house, I think my dad listens to some of it. I know he's heard it. Shout before. out to Grant's dad if you're listening to this right now. Dap me up next time you see me, man. Dap me up. Dap, dap Jay up, Dap dude. me up next time you see me. And dap me up too, man. Yeah. S- sweet. Sweet. Sweet, man. There's probably some dads out there that listen to yeah. this. Maybe Stefan's a You dad. know what? If you're a dad out there listening to this. Dap me up next time dap you see me. Up. me. <laughs> <laughs> dap me up next time. <laughs> All right, everyone. We've got no current events. We've got no <laughs> trivia. This was a d- bad ending. It was a bad ending. It was a long enough episode already. You guys are probably tired of listening to us at this mm-hmm. point uh and we're tired of talking to you guys so yeah. uh with that we want to say good night to all and to all the good night <laughs> yeah